This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show. Thank you so much for joining us again for another great episode. I am your host, Mitch Gray author of the newly released book, How to Hire and Keep Great People, Small Business Consultant and Leadership Coach. And on today's episode, I have another consultant with me today, Dana Vogelmeyer. Dana, welcome to the Mitch Gray Show. Thank you, Mitch. Happy to be here. Awesome. I love having all these consultants. We're helping as many people as possible with our community of leaders. So yeah, love it. Dana, you are a consultant, as I said, that launched Vogelmeyer Consulting in 2018 after working for over 30 years for a Fortune 500 company. And during that time, you worked with more than 20, have 25, more than 25 years of leading uh, teams and using your experience to help others. So um, big transition from lots of years in the corporate world to working for yourself now. Big question to start off the show. I kind of want to get to this. What was that transition like? going from 25 years of leading all these teams and leading people to, uh, yeah, just kind of building what you're building now? Yeah, that's a great question, Mitch. So it's so different, as you can imagine, and um, a lot quieter because obviously when mm-hmm. you're you're the only person in the workplace, <laughs> it's a lot quieter. But what I loved during that time that I worked in the corporate world, I mean, I learned so much. I had different teams, I had different leaders. So during that time, I had all these different uh, dynamics and experiences and great, great teams. And then also times where, you know, the teams really kind of struggled to find some harmony. And just during all that, ex- those times and during all those experiences, I really, I'm a big reflector. So I had a lot of opportunity to kind of think about which ones worked and why they worked so well, and then which ones didn't work and maybe what was happening there. Yes. And I had one, one experience that really literally felt like I had just hit a wall. You know, it was, it was just not a good experience at all. And the leader I was working for, we were struggling to connect. And um, when, that, when that time was over and I moved to another role and I was working for another leader, which was great, wasn't a great leader. Um, you know, I did again, a lot of reflecting and I thought, well, I would really like to work with companies and help other leaders create those workplaces where people love, because most of the time in my corporate experience, I loved it. And I enjoyed the work and the teams and, um, every, you know, everything about it. But when you don't enjoy it, you mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm. with doing your best work. You struggle with feeling good about it, getting up and going every day. And, you know, I really found myself during that time where I didn't enjoy it, you know, also kind of settling in with some depression. I gained a lot of weight. I didn't even look and feel like myself anymore. So, you know, I, I couldn't shake it off, so to speak. But when I moved out of that experience and was now working with another great leader and I had a great peer, and then all the people that, that were on our teams were so awesome, um, you know, it was like night and day. Yeah. And, you know, that was really a great time to reflect and think about what all went into that. It's um, crazy how much our environment 
um, whether that's our living situation, working situation, the people we're around. It's really, it's really impressive how much that impacts us. Um, impressive, not necessarily in a positive light, but, but it's just, you know, as humans, our, our minds and our emotions and how that, you know, you alluded to that even impacts our physical health. Um, and we know medically and scientifically that stress is a big influencer in physical health, but you know, it's just, all of us have experienced that in one way or the other. And it's just insane to me how little attention we give on choosing the right environments, trying to be in the right situations. And when we're talking about leadership, one of my favorite words to use is alignment. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is most likely the most undervalued um, aspect of developing teams of having people within your leadership is missing the boat on alignment because that's really the picture you just painted is yep. when things are misaligned, nothing works properly. So I want to ask about that. And then I want to get back to another word that you used three or four times in that little story, but talking about alignment, you know, you, you have so much experience on, you know, working under leadership on being a leader. How does one how does one really, you know, view things through the scope of alignment? Um, we used to call it putting people on the right seat in the bus. How does one go about that to do it in a way that still promotes, um, you know, kind of empowerment and still encourages performance and encourages team, the team aspect? How do you, as a leader, how do you really say, okay, I'm going to make sure things are aligned. I'm going to look out for specific, you know, whatever that is. What does that look like um, when you're dealing with teams? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I love the analogy too of the bus, the right person in the right seat on the right bus is so important. So as, as a leader, though, oftentimes they're promoted many times because they did kind of the hard skills job in a non-leadership role well. Yeah. So therefore they get promoted into a leadership role. That comes um, up on our show a lot, by the way. Almost every single person that comes <laughs> on, we 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 get to that point in the conversation. Yeah. So thank you for the 150th time affirming <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that comes up so often on the show. And, and I think it's valuable. It should come up every episode. Yeah. Continue. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that that is misalignment. I mean, it yes. might turn out great. It might but they were promoted for the wrong reason. Really what you wanna promote people into leadership roles, people that are good with people and let the, the people who are doing that other work continue to do it well. Yes. And you know, I, I wanna just reiterate, sometimes it works out great, but sometimes it doesn't. But the important thing when you're a leader is to be able to connect with people, influence them, help them find what it is that they're good at and put them in the right roles. And so sometimes that also means like, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If somebody is not performing, that they've got a great attitude and you can see that they've got some potential to do something, then maybe you just put them in the right role because mm -hmm. I would love to have people with great attitudes more than necessarily the right fit for that job. Because yeah. if, if there's other jobs, you know, if, if this is the only job, then that's different. But you know, attitudes of people really impact other people's attitudes and their want to come to work, but also how well they connect with their leader and the quality of the product, the interaction with peers or customers, depending on the role. So I think that's important. 
but that, you know, the right person on the bus also how you have to think about the organization. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got lots and lots of people right now. So we're in August of 2021 mm-hmm. in April and May, we had mass resignations and they're calling it right now, the, the great resignation where people are quitting their jobs in mass numbers, 4 million people quit in April, almost as many quit in May. And I think a lot of that is a little bit of that alignment issue during the pandemic. I think people had a lot of time to reflect and think about, is this filling me up? Even if they don't use those words, right. But Mm -hmm. is this worth it? You know, is this what I'm going to do? And I don't, I didn't feel supported during the pandemic or, um, they, I didn't like how I was treated or what I was asked to do or what we were doing or whatever it might be. But lots of people resigned for whatever reason. So they felt like something better was out there. So if, if we can create a workplace where people are in the right spots, doing good work, feeling good about it, then we'll have some good retention. But if they're not feeling good about it, forget it. It's misalignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, bad leadership and misalignment are the, often the cause. I would say most yeah. of the time. I don't have hard data, but but I do have hard data on bad leadership. And most of the time, people leave a job because of bad leadership. Um, a lot of people that leave jobs actually enjoy the job, mm-hmm. but when the leadership is bad, and by bad I mean you know not caring, not inspiring, very very kind of task driven, not recognizing the humanity of the people. That's bad leadership. And I agree with you. I think oftentimes it's not so much bad leadership because someone's a bad person. It's bad leadership because that person shouldn't be in a leadership position from the beginning. And you see that a lot, you know, people have been there, they have tenure or they did a hard skill job really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right. It, I used to work for a company that they would recognize leadership just by small tasks. You know, they had a saying that the crime, the, the cream rises to the top. And so, you know, they looked for people that did the small things well, that, that engaged with people at a deep level. And those were the things that kind of allowed the cream to rise to the top. And mm-hmm. everyone has their position. And in leadership, our goal is to put everyone in the right position. So right. you right. keep using a word and that word is reflection. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask that twofold because we, we are in a place in um, many modern cities in the world where people are leaving traditional jobs. There's, there were more small businesses begun in the last year than like in the last 20 or something crazy like that. Um, people are going back to school. I think college enrollment's up like two or 300% than what is traditionally the case. And so what we're seeing is what you what you described. And the reason I bring up reflection is with all this change, I want to ask a twofold question. What role does reflection play in your personal life? And, and why do you value that? You've mentioned it a couple of times. And then from a leadership position, both from your background and when you coach leaders now, what, what perspective of reflection should leaders be coaching amongst their teams? And so what role does it play for you personally? And then what role with that, all this change happening? That's when you first mentioned it was when you transitioned into your work now. Mm -hmm. And then what role could it play from a leadership perspective with teams? Yeah, I love this because as I said, I'm a big reflector. So, you know, if you think about reflecting on things that 
we've done, and I'll start kind of personally, even like interactions and relationships with people and um, interactions maybe that didn't go the way you'd hope they would or thought they would. Um, and maybe what was your part in that and how can you approach it differently and, and be better the next time? Um, I don't think people really consciously set out to, you know, get into arguments with other people or, (laughs) (laughs) or to have, um, you know, poor relationships or poor family dynamics or anything like that. But many people have that, maybe not with everybody in their family, but, you know, slivers of it. And we have to own what, what our part is in that. And so we're, we're all human. And that same thing transitions and, and goes into the workplace. And what I put in my journal as like thought starters and some, and then I add to it, I start, I sometimes have way more than, than, than I really set time to dedicate to it. But, you know, I always think about, I do it in the morning and I reflect on the day before something that I did well, Mm -hmm. because I don't have someone to give me feedback in my job in the traditional sense. Yes. So I give it to myself. So something I did the day before that went well, and it doesn't have to be anything that it could be this conversation, you know, that's going to take X amount of minutes or whatever. It doesn't have to be a, like a full on proposal or something. Right. Then I think of, um, and I write down something that I could have done better. Mm. And then I write down something that um, I need to think about plan for, I'm going to have to dedicate time to it because I, um, I chunk off time on my calendar to like write yes, or to yes, whatever. Yes. So what do I need to think about? And especially if I have like a big um, intervention coming up with an organization, I always think about how I want it to go and what I want it to feel like at the end. And when I want them to get out of it from my perspective, you know, cause I still get theirs also, but over time it can, it, you know, I can think about it over and over and over again. And then it's, then things come to me. Like, oh, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. <laughs> so that, that's why, you know, kind of that thinking time. Um, but what do I need to think about? And then what am I grateful for? And that kind of puts me in the right frame of mind to start my day. So what I did notice, I, I've done this for quite some time now. And what I did notice when I was in the corporate world, when I would write down what I didn't do well, those are the things I would take onto my individual development plan. Mm. and figure out how I could get better at, because if I saw a pattern mm-hmm. of the same thing over, you know, oh, I'd really need to work on this, whatever it might be. Um, so it kind of helped me do that. But I think reflection time is important because it also gives us time to build and time to look at mistakes, whether it was our mistake or a group project or, you know, the whole team missed a deadline, or right. maybe there was a team dynamic that didn't go very well, but reflecting on mistakes can help us think about, again, how it could have gone better and what we could do differently the next time. I, I really like the idea of um, basically what you're talking about is visualizing what's going to happen, how things are going to turn out, what steps you're going to take, what interactions you're going to have. And I love that a few episodes ago, we I had um, a, a visualization expert, um, my, my friend, Mr. Gamlin, And he talked about, you know, taking that time when you reflect to visualize where you're going, what you're going to do. And I love that idea from a team standpoint of, you know, oftentimes leaders engage with their teams just simply focused on the task or the project, 
regardless mm-hmm. of industry, whether mm-hmm. you're in the sales industry or service industry or banking industry or whatever, everything is so focused on the task or the project that they leave out the preparation and the preparation always starts mentally. The success yeah. is built mentally before it's ever manifested physically. And so without saying it, that's really what you're offering leaders is to take the time with your team to spend that time reflecting. I love the idea on what did I, what have I done? Good. What did I do good yesterday? What could I've worked on or an area of growth? And then what do I want to be successful at tomorrow? And then of course, gratitude is amazing. And I really think if leaders would be proactive and just take those four questions, um, what did I do good? What could I have worked on or done better? What success do I want to have tomorrow? What am I grateful for? Could you imagine the workplace culture that organization would have if that was their practice, even if they just did it once a week to start? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And, and dedicating the time to it is, I think, a, why a lot of times people don't do things like this. And, you know, it's almost, you know, think of it as like practice. Yes. We, yes. You know, if we, if we do it and have this opportunity to reflect, it's practice in the work. And then the next time you do it, you do it better. Yeah. And the easy response is, well, we don't have time to do that. We're too busy. And my quick rebuttal always is you, you don't have time to not do that. That's right. Like, That's like right. Just add, a, add an additional, I don't have time to do that. No, you don't have time to not do that because just, just pushing that. I like to call it empowerment. I also like to call it permission to give your team, your employees, the permission to think for themselves to give them the permission to be vulnerable. I mean, that's a vulnerable thing to go, yeah. what, what do I need to work on? And I believe people are really smart. I don't think people are stupid. And I think yeah. the mistake that many leaders make is they treat people as if they're stupid yep. versus as if they're very smart. And when people right. have the opportunity to be reflective, like you're suggesting, they self-discover things that you would have never ever i'm dealing with thousands of people they always self-discover more than you ever would have pointed out right and and that's a powerful thing that's Mm -hmm. a powerful thing Mm -hmm. i um read something yesterday i think it was brendan bouchard um where he said like when you the more you kind of move up the ladder i'm totally paraphrasing (laughs) but the more you move up the ladder the less you're able to kind of see um like when people are coming to you with an agenda or things like that, but, and what it, what the end of his uh, passage said was something to the effect of the person who's the least prominent in the room is the one who can, can read the true colors of people the best. Mm. And I thought that was so profound because they, they have no agenda or they don't have a um, like, Oh, what do I need to, do over here, or I can't say anything about this project to these people, or there's not all this stuff going on up here that they're just kind of assessing and seeing people for, for who they are. And I thought that was really, really good. There was also, I wanted to share with, with you and with the audience that um, there was a, a man once that I was new in a leadership role to this particular team. There were four teams and they all had a leader. And one of the guys on on one of the teams, um, was just really grumpy, you know, and, and he had a reputation 
you know, we all have a, have some form of a reputation, like good to work with, hard to work with, whatever, whatever. And he had a a reputation as not, not being, you know, the nicest coworker or whatever. And I just had a one-on-one with them and, you know, had a little conversation. And I said, I'd like to follow up with you again. And he said, okay. So we met again a couple of weeks later, still grumpy. And so I said, you know, can I just ask you, you don't, you don't seem really happy doing the work you're doing. And he said, you know, I'm not. And I said, can I ask why? And so he tells me this story and the long and short of it, Mitch. Okay. He was still mad about something that happened seven years before seven years. Like he was carrying it for seven years. And there was a lot of conversation there, but, you know, in essence, kind of, I I was trying to get him to the point of, you need to let this go, you know, but he had never talked to anybody about it. Nobody had approached him with, why are you so grumpy? And I was nervous. I will fully admit (laughs) nervous, broaching the conversation, but it kind of opened it up a little bit to, to have some self-reflection. And I think if somebody had seven years before taken the time to say, Hey, I know that this didn't go down the way you hoped it would. It was over not being selected for a job. I know this didn't go down the way you hoped that it would. And I'm sorry that it didn't. And let's work on getting you ready for next time. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, he would have been a wholly different uh, coworker for everybody, but he just, he held on to that and just was yeah. angry for so long. Because no one asked. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, again, what's crazy is when we don't ask the most leadership isn't difficult. You just have to think, yeah, I mean, it's just like you ask the common question, you ask the easy question. You And what I love, the, our, our mantra for this show and everything else I do is bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Yeah, And that story could almost be the perfect the perfect picture for that statement, because that's exactly what you did is you brought some humanity back to leadership. Human behavior doesn't change, right? Human desire, human need, human feeling, emotion right. doesn't change. It's all, right. it, it doesn't matter if you work in a high rise or if you're a janitor, your desires, needs, and wants are the same. Everyone's are. And when you can see things from a leadership perspective, using that kind of lens, Mm -hmm. it allows you to, even though through your nervousness, it allows you to ask the question that for seven years, no one asked. Mm -hmm. And so, so how does a leader get there? You know, really we, you and I could probably share stories all day long about bad situations we've experienced or seen, but how does a leader really get to the point where they go, okay, I noticed Bob's grouchy all the time. So I'm just going to ask the simple question, Bob, what's up? Why are you grouchy, man? Yeah. And then we find out he's ticked off about, and then we can get through it. Or we notice that Sarah, who's normally happy-go-lucky the last three days has been down yeah. and out. Okay, obviously something's going on. Right. We think it's simple, but how can a leader equip themselves to just learn to function within that simplicity? Yeah, so I think, they have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the more times though you do it, it's just like anything else, the easier it gets. And the again, smooth- our word practice, right? I love yeah. that word. Yeah. yeah. You can connect um, with people easier if you've done it more. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. but it, you know, like I said, approaching that conversation made me nervous. And the first few times that I had really tough conversations with people and the first time I ever terminated someone, 
I mean, I was nervous and, yes. and I probably didn't do it as, you know, with like an A plus effort, but I did get better at it as time went on just, and everybody else would too. It's not like I have special powers, but you, you do have to do it. And I think that leaders don't get the hard feedback because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But um, if I may, I want to share like the lesson of the lobster is one of my favorite and lobsters shed their shells to grow. And I think that's what we as humans do too. We have to shed our shell and get uncomfortable and be vulnerable in order to grow back a harder, better shell so that we can become a better leader. Um, it's, it doesn't feel good. And for a lobster, when they shed their shell and now like their back is exposed, you know, and predators could get them very easily. Yes. So they're very uncomfortable until that new shell grows back. That's us. We've got to get uncomfortable, go in and have that hard conversation, yes. Yes. get out and you'll be better for it. Right. After. <laughs> you have another and, layer of shell with each practice. That, it gives you another layer. It's better. Yes, that's exactly right. I, that really ties into reflection though. And I'm really, really glad that you started this whole conversation with reflection because, um, you know, a, a really developmental experienced leader only got there because of the interpersonal work that they did over yes. the years. Um, it, 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 if, if you're in a leadership position and you don't go home at night desiring to grow personally, then you will never reach your potential as a leader. And, right. if, and if, if you just don't want to do that, then I would suggest it's time to have a hard conversation with whoever your leader is and, and have that discussion because you have to be growing inside yourself. And personally, you have to look in the mirror before you ever step into those hard conversations and have a hard conversation with yourself. And I would advise if you're in a leadership position, you should have a coach or another leader that you're working with to continuously develop yourself because you know, leadership is a burden. It's a burden of a good kind, but it is a burden. And in my opinion, if someone in a leadership position doesn't view it as a burden, then they may be in the wrong position because it's something to be taken seriously. You know, when I look at someone like you and your resume, I can just think of the hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people that you impacted their personal lives. You impacted their emotional life. You impacted their spiritual being by being in those leadership positions and, and far too many people don't see it at that level. And I think that's a mistake. And that goes back to that interpersonal work and that reflection. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree. And I, I will share with you that just, you know, for me, when I was saying early on, you know, I didn't do as great of a job as you do as you get better. Right. But that's not uncommon either. And one of my favorite books and somebody that I follow, his name is Bob Chapman and he's uh, the CEO of a company called Barry Way Miller. Um, they, they're a global organization. It's a very large company, very successful, but he wrote a book called Everybody Matters. Mm-hmm. And in his book, he talks about his personal leadership journey. And when he started, he was very like a CEO is very numbers, you know, expenses, revenues, expenses, revenues, (laughs) that was kind of it. And he kind of grew up in accounting. So that even was a a comfortable place for him. But over time, you know, and some experiences and some adversity, um, he started looking at things a little differently. And then fast forward, he kind of came to a realization that he said to his C-suite employees, he said, we need a metric for Mm -hmm. our organization 
that shows the positive impact we're making on the lives of our employees. Wow. So how do you measure that? You know, sales are easy. Expenses are easy. <laughs> how do you measure the positive impact we're having on the lives of our employees? So they worked very hard to come up with a dashboard around that. But one of the things that they did was create a, a leadership program called Truly Human Leadership. So when you were talking about humanity, yes. I think of it kind of in those same terms, truly human leadership. So all the leaders go through it. And even some people who aren't leaders go through it. And one, there's some wonderful stuff in that book, by the way, Everybody Matters. Um, but one of the things that I loved, he tells a story about a guy that went through one of the programs. And on the other side, he was kind of doing a Q&A. And he asked one of the people, you know, what's the best thing that you got out of that program? What did you think? And the guy's name was Steve. I can remember the story. And Steve said, I better communicate with my wife now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of putting it all together, right? So when we feel developed, growing, appreciated and valued at work, we feel good. And then we go home and we feel good at home. So, and this also taught him some communication and listening skills. So he's communicating better at home now. And then think about that. This is where they get into their big dashboard, the very way more Not only, you know, is it better experience between him and his spouse, but the kids are watching that. Yes. Right. So then they, you know, this is being modeled in the home and they kind of take all of that. Now I say this, and I think this is all fabulous, right? I don't think it would work in every company because mm-hmm. you would have to grow into that. Mm-hmm. And some, some organizations just aren't even ready for that kind of thing. They're kind of still starting at a different place. And do they want to grow to that? Now, personally, I think that should be aspirational. His philosophy too, is that companies, businesses should be in the mindset of making the world better. Mm-hmm not just profit, but making the world better. So how are you contributing to making the world better? Now, someone might want to do that through environmental practices. You know, he, he decided he wanted to do that through truly human leadership. So, you know, I'm not judging any, any other organization that says we want to do that differently, but it's, for example, if you are somebody, a company that is very big into environmental practices and you put a lot of your alignment there, then you'll, you'll attract the right people who want yes. to work on environmental efforts. Yes. And then everybody's kind of in the right place. They feel good about where they work. They're all connecting because they've got a common cause. But you as the leadership need to create that, whatever that is for you. And that's where I think about in workplace culture and the workplace atmosphere, what's right for the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you never create it, if you don't think about it, if you don't have like the end in mind, then how are you communicating that to your people? And what, what are they connected to? Right. And if they're not connected, then they'll leave for $10 more. Yeah, you know? it's, it's empty, right? It's empty if, if there's yeah. no connection point. And I would actually, I, I go even further and I actually talk about this in a couple of chapters in my new book, but I actually think that you're smart to bring those people to the table when you're having those conversations. Um, you know, oftentimes in leadership, there's a saying that you, you don't, you don't want too many voices at the table because things can get diluted. But I think when it comes to culture and purpose, the more voices you have at the table, because that's a mistake so many leaders make is especially in larger corporations. Well, this is our culture. This is what we stand for. But then the people that work under that don't relate to it because they had no say they had no, 
ability right. to connect with it. And so, yeah, I, I totally think that's right on track is what, you know, what is your culture? What do you live and breathe and die for? And how are you impacting the world? And let's bring our people in from every level and ask their opinion. Because if you get the opinion, again, of the janitor, and that janitor knows that their opinion and their voice matters, that's going to be the, your bathrooms are going to be cleaner than they were ever before. That's right. <laughs> because that connection and that culture is so valuable. But when, when people are just told what the culture is then they are going to leave for $10 an hour more. And, and, and they're going to continue to do that because a lot of those companies are few and far between. And so I love that story. So let's come back to, um, you alluded to it a little bit. Let's say, let's just assume that there is a leader listening, no matter what size of their business is. Let's assume there's a leader listening that says, oh, all of that sounds really good but how do I get there? And you're exactly right when it does begin with small steps. So let's assume that it's a leader that has all the good moral compass and wants to impact humanity and has lofty visions of creating a substantial culture, but they're just beginning. They just bought the box of brownies and they're reading the <laughs> recipe, right? Right. So right. let's give them three steps that they can take, baby steps, steps of success that they can implement this week to begin on that path of the picture that we painted. Mm -hmm. So this is, a, this is a good question because I think it sounds easy. It's not super easy, but if you do the work, you will make a change. And really to me, this is a change management effort. Yes. So yes. you start your, you know, your three easy steps this week or start with getting the right people around the table and defining your current state. And so to your earlier point, the right people aren't just the people that report, if you're the CEO, not just the people that report to you, but let's hear from some other people. You know, what is this company about? Why do we exist? What do we want to be? If we exist for one reason, but we want to, we want to add value in a different way, you know, start defining those things. And I think the more you can kind of put around your current state and put it on paper, then you can start surfacing things like what, what the next stage is, is what do we want to look like? Mm -hmm. So here's our current state, but what do we want to look like at the end? And then you can start doing your gap analysis. So this is, can't all be done in one week right here. <laughs> you can start with your, your current state. Then you look at your final state, you do your gap analysis and then start figuring out where's the, where will you get the most juice from the squeeze, as they say, you know, or the low hanging fruit where these are our three pieces of low hanging fruit. We're going to start here, here, and here. And then we're going to work on these midterm and then a longer term, but I always worry anymore. And I'm, I'm sure you've felt this too, but I was worrying anymore about too much long-term because so much changes, yes. you know, and I heard we, we learned funny, that the last year and a half, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I heard a funny saying just recently that technology has the shelf life of a banana. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it feels that way. So because things change so much, this is an iterative process too, that you've got to go back and check in. Is this still where we're at? Something else has changed, or we got a new opportunity, you know, to buy another company or whatever, or to move to a new building or to go remote. Right. Yes. Like we got a new opportunity. So we need to go back and make sure that this is still in, you know, the best uh, plan, or do we need to make some changes on it? So it is work, but it can be done. And it's, it's not something that should be, um, 
like an extra job for somebody. Right. It needs, it needs more than that. If you really, truly want to get good alignment and make a change and have a place where people love coming to work. I love the idea of building a bridge. You know, you, you use the term gap analysis and it's like, you know, when you, when you, when you build something, you have to continuously go back and measure the level, measure the direction, measure the equality of things, measure the substance of things. And so you're not just building a bridge to get across. You're actually building a bridge that has substance and sustainability that can handle traffic. Yeah. And so at the most elementary level, when I used to build things with my dad, you know, he would set the taut line that kept us level. We were building a fence. And if we ever got away from that line, we knew we had to self-correct and make some changes. And that's really what you're talking about. And if we can view it in that light of we're building something actively and we're also reviewing and reflecting actively. Yes. And we're bringing more voices to the, you know, you continue with the construction example. There's a difference in a construction site where three people are doing the work and 10 people are standing around versus where all 13 people have a responsibility and a task and an ask. And, and those are right. two very different scenarios. And so, right. um, yeah. And I then thinking that. about as you're bringing new people into the organization, yes, where do they fit? Yeah. Right. So their onboarding process and are you sharing with them, you know, here's what we're about there's a, a company, um, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and there's a company here in town that um, it's, it's a small organization, but when you walk in to the front door behind the receptionist, there are 10 big tiles that are their 10 house rules. And so when people are interviewing, they get to see or read the house rules, whether in person or virtually. And it's kind of like, this is who we are, you know, and is this, does this look like something that you like? And one of them is embrace the chaos because in work cycles, it goes up and down and sometimes it's going to be chaotic and just embrace it because it will end. Right. And then we'll be back to. And it'll come again. (laughs) Yes. And it will come again. (laughs) Um, But one of the others that I love is um, no jerks allowed. Mm -hmm. And I love just saying that like from the beginning, like, No, we don't tolerate that. So know that going in. And I don't think just similar to what I was saying earlier, I don't think people set out to be a jerk, but, you know, think about when you might have a really strong opinion in a meeting and you just are like, no, we're going to do it this way. This is, this is a workplace. This is, you know, we're all here to do our jobs and we all need to be good coworkers and civilized and kind and we can have good conversation and disagree, but we don't have to be jerks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a difference in facilitating thought and facilitating anger. Yeah. <laughs> and we get to choose yeah. which we facilitate, right? <laughs> right. And what do you want to, what do you want to bring to the table today? Yeah. Do you want to yeah. bring good, good energy and, and a great coworker? Or do you want, when you leave the room, everybody go, whoa, what's up with her? Yeah. Don't yeah. ever talk to them. Don't ask yeah. the grumpy guy why he's still mad. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Yeah, I love that, Dana. That those are great tips. And and for anyone that's really you gave quite a few good tips about the reflection, about reflecting internally, reflecting with your teams. And then I love that. If you're just starting on wanting to build this grander vision, just start with identifying where you are, be specific, identify where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And in your phrase gap analysis, um, build the bridge and continuously reflect. I love that. And you're not going to get there in a day. I, th- I think, you know, we often get very frustrated with lack of progress, but 
Um, I love the idea of creating success. In other words, creating steps that you know will be successful. And that just builds that momentum. So give us an update on what you have going right now. I know you've got some projects in the works. So let update us on what's going on. And then also update us on where people can connect with you and follow you. Oh, sure. So the biggest thing going on right now is I'm in, um, I have just sent my find my finished book off to editing. So the book is coming out in October and it's Congrats. called, the, thank you. It's called the workplace atmosphere, transforming your workplace from dismal to desired. Love that. So if you think tired. about dismal, you know, not liking going to work to the desired workplace. And so it's filled with all of the, I shouldn't say all, but many, and I do say at the beginning, there's so much that goes into a workplace culture yes. and all of the variable. I mean, there's so many, but I go through 12 and kind of talk about, I share some personal stories, but I also share some stories of other organizations who have, you know, demonstrated something very clear, like for example, failure and creating a safe place for people to land. You don't want people to make mistakes and think, oh, I'm going to get fired. Right. Right. Otherwise they'll never try anything new. Right. Yes. So yes. I give some examples of where that showed up in different work environments that people would know, like um, big news stories and things like that. Mm. So um, that's coming out in October. Um, people can find me my through my website, which is VogelmeyerConsulting.com. And Vogelmeyer is, think of it as two words, Vogel, V-O-G-E-L, Meyer, M-E-I-E-R. So just like it sounds, Vogelmeyer. <laughs> awesome. So, or email me at Dana at VogelmeyerConsulting.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And Perfect. I'd love to connect with people. Perfect. And we will also have those in the show notes and on your profile page too. So great. I love that. Congrats on the books, uh, the you. book. Um, and you, you too. Know, we, we talked for quite a while before the show about, about the book industry and getting into that. And so I'm really, really happy for you and excited for you. So thank you. Tanya, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the Mitch Gray show. And um, maybe we'll have you on again when the book releases. That way you can promote that and we can dig into that a little bit more too. So that's oh, that awesome. Sounds great. I'm Thank that. you, yeah. Mitch. Thanks for listening to the show, brothers and sisters. We hope you are well. If you are in a leadership position and looking to expand your growth and your development, contact some folks like Dana who are um, always seeking opportunities to add clients to the portfolio. And, and really we do this as a job, but we also do this to help as many people as we can. So make sure you subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, The Mitch Gray Show. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media. And you can follow me anywhere on social media, M Gray Media or on LinkedIn, Mitch Gray. And spread the word. We'd love to have more listeners and love to help more people as we can. So thanks again for listening and we will talk to you soon.